1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame Show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Boston Celtics, the unstoppable, streaking, red-hot, only team on a winning streak now, New York Knicks, uh, and their matchup uh, against the team with the best record in the NBA, uh, second best record in the NBA, the Boston Celtics. So we're going to do something a little different today. Uh, as you can probably tell from the episode description and probably the title as well, um, I am not talking to a Boston content creator for this episode. Uh, I, I'm sure you all loved the conversation I had with Giancarlo the other day. And uh, I by the reaction, he certainly got all of us ready for what ended up being one of the more fun nights watching this basketball team and obviously covering this basketball team in my life. Um, but uh, I wanted to do something different. And especially since we, the Knicks just played the Celtics. If you want to get a deep dive and figure out what the fan base thinking and the vibes around the Celtics are, go back about five days ago, maybe six days ago, and listen to the podcast I did with Jack Simone of uh, How About Them Celtics and, uh, and Celtics blog. He can give you a deeper dive there if you haven't listened to it yet. Not much has changed in the last week. Uh, and I wanted to get the national perspective because the cool thing about this streak is that the Knicks are no longer a cute local story. They are national news. What is going on in New York? They are a threat to make uh, a deep run in the playoffs, to make some noise in the playoffs. I have no idea what that means. That could just be like a hard-fought first-round matchup. That could be the conference finals. And... uh, I, I'm excited to see where that heads, and I wanted to talk to somebody outside of our little bubble here in Knicks land to see just how far and how delusional we we are about this team. Uh, Dan from Valley of Hardwood Knox is one of my good friends, and I love listening to his show. I, it, honestly, more people should listen to it. Go, it, It's in the episode description. Go check out Hardwood Knox. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation where he, who grew up a Knicks fan, uh, talks about the Knicks with a... The perspective of somebody that has to watch all 30 teams. So let's get into it. My conversation about the unstoppable Knicks with Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report and Hardwood Knox. Enjoy. Join me now here on the Knicks Film School pregame show. Many of you made your opinions known when uh, I went and got a Miami Heat lifer and a Nick hater for the last pregame podcast and also the Knicks play another rival in another rival city, uh, Boston, uh, on Sunday night. And so I decided that rather than go get another Celtics content creator and another rival content creator, uh, I went and got the next best thing, a member of the evil national media to talk about the Knicks. Thankfully, he is what people don't Some people, I guess, don't realize he is also a Knicks fan and he's one of my good friends and he does exceptional work for Bleacher Report and the podcast Hardwood Knox. Welcome back to the Knicks Film School podcast. And for the first time to the Knicks Film School pregame show, Mr. Dan Favalli. Dan, how are you doing today, sir?
2: I am after that uplifting intro over the moon. That's how I'm doing right now. Thank you for the kind words as always. I guess what were did KFS listeners not like Giancarlo when you had him on? I'm assuming. Man,
1: so the funny that he kind of turned it on a bit. He called Jalen Brunson cute, which like credit to him after the game went the way it did. Last night, uh, he just kind of sat there. And was like, like bring it on. Like he had the surge <laughs> gif and was just like standing there in the middle of the ring while people threw garbage at him. <laughs> I was like, the Heat lost. I gotta take it. You know, if I can't dish it, if I if I can't take it, and you know, I respect people that can do that. I, I had Evan Roberts of uh, WFAN, who's a huge Nets fan, on a couple months ago, and he like brought up the fact that I like to take ten seconds and laugh at the Nets. And it was like right after the Brooklyn Nets had just kicked the Knicks teeth in. Remember when the Brooklyn Nets had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Um, And so I just said like, yeah, it's a beauty of sports. Whenever whenever the Knicks lose to the Nets, take 10 seconds and laugh at the Knicks. I saw my face get passed around Nets Twitter. Um, So... Giancarlo had to to kind of wear it last night. So thank you, Julius Randle, for making that possible. I am very curious what your perspective has been of all of this. And as somebody who's obviously in it and as a Knicks fan and the and the the vibes being immaculate and whatnot, um, what I love about your coverage because you have to cover all the teams, so you kind of get to see a landscape of all the vibes that exist. And the Knicks. Like their their momentum has to be trending outside of New York and making waves nationally with with what they're doing. A game out of the four seed, the best, uh, the best non Milwaukee record since the trade deadline. Um, How are you feeling about the Knicks right now? Yeah. So the first
2: part is I don't the people are nationally. I want to make that clear. Not this podcast, not fans. They know. There's been this like, oh, look at the Knicks since the Josh Hart trade or whatever. The Knicks have the second best offense in the league since January 1st. Like they've yeah. been on this crescendo for pretty much half the season at this point, let's say. And the fact that it's flown under the radars is, is bizarre. And it took me a while, I think, to accept it more because I'm just so inherently skeptical of this team because of how confusing the ride has been. And. Julius Randle specifically is just like, I don't know him between him and RJ Barrett. I don't know if there are two players that I flip flop more on um, in real time. And the Josh Hart trade, I was not a fan of in the moment. I was just like, well, why are you, why are you giving up this? It, I, it, it's, it's going to be a first round pick, a first round pick for someone who's mm-hmm. going to be a free agent that you have to pay when clearly there wasn't like this strong market for him. And then he's coming in and been a shot of adrenaline and like, you've been able to, you know, limit like some of the damage that RJ Barrett is doing when he's not having like his, his good games. So that like, they're clearly, they hadn't, I was looking at them as like a team that needed more of a, a three point shot of adrenaline, like a Gary Trent Jr. Someone's going to come in and just chuck a bunch of threes. And he's just more so been exactly what the team needs when you're looking at sort of the the guts and gall of what he does on the perimeter. I think the Knicks also, Uh, they've been 10th in like three-point attempt rate since January 1st. Like they're not not shooting enough threes either. And so that's sort of kind of flown under the radar. Uh, It's like, that's really the the two parts is that it took me a while to just take this in and say, you know, part of it is just like, there'll be nights where it's okay. Like I want to, as a fan, I want to watch this Knicks game, but like I actually do need to go check in on like Spurs Pacers is like Mm -hmm. what I'm actually going to be watching. So maybe that also accounted for the slow burn. Um, But when you ask the question of how good this team is, I said this on Hardwood Knox the other day. Like, they're a team that could legitimately – there's profanity on this podcast, right? Yeah, of course. They're the team, I think more so than anyone else in the league, that could just fuck shit up in the playoffs because, like, you're just not going to understand, like, oh, they're going on this run. And it's, yeah, if you go into a series against Milwaukee or Boston, they're not going to be favorites against a bunch of people. But, like, if you go into a series against Milwaukee or Boston, I might have to do some pretzel twisting if I was to justify, like, how the Knicks are going to come out of that. Um, after watching them against the Celtics, maybe it wouldn't be so much pretzel twisting. But, like, they could beat a Philly. They could beat a Cleveland. We just saw them beat like a Miami team, which has been that was a playoff level game, and mm-hmm. I think super encouraging. But like Miami's been like dog shit for a lot of this season. So I would just like it's. I view more of like these Boston games as a barometer for where the Knicks actually are because I don't think the Heat are the serious team. Uh, but they still do have two guys, two two superstars. So the Knicks are real. And I don't know what the cap is, though, on the ceiling of, like, these vibes or of (laughs) the ceiling of functionally where they're going to end up in, like, the Eastern Conference playoff picture because I think there are only two teams I would definitively pick to beat them in a series in this moment. Like, yeah, the last decade has been great. The ride's been really fun since basically the new year. Um, But to be in that situation to where I thought they were going to be, I think we both smashed there over when we did our preview pod at we not like I didn't see them being on like this pace now, especially given how the season started. When I wrote an article uh, about how I thought the Knicks should fire Tom Thibodeau, and so it starts there, in. yeah, seven yeah, games in to end up here in March. It's been just a wild ride, but I don't think it's something where it's it's fleeting or an anomaly. Uh, I know I probably said this after the you know the Julius Randall most improved season, only to see what happened after that. But there's something about this team, uh, their relationship with one another the The steadiness that Jalen Brunson really just provides, like as someone who understands how to manage the game, but is also can be deferential to Julius Randle on nights when either Brunson doesn't have it going or it's just like, hey, this is Julius's night. Um, I can't say enough as someone who also criticized. I have to make this clear before I throw it back to you. Was never the money with Jalen Brunson with me. It was I the mode of operations and just what I thought it said about the Knicks's long term directions. A long-term direction, I was clearly wrong. He has been my favorite player to watch on the team this season. And I think like, even when he's not having his best nights, he's just so valuable to what they do, like the blend of speed and craft and vision that just sees through and over collapsing defenses. And again, the bandwidth to just fit in to whatever iteration the Knicks are that night. And I also think his job's a lot harder than maybe people on a national level credit because the Knicks are not like their invention is Jalen Brunson. Like they're not really that inventive of an offensive team when you look at the way they play, but what Jalen Brunson does with again, his footwork, his speed his his angles. Like that is their, that is their invention. And so like watching him play and just manage the game, I think he even more so than Julius Randall, who like, I'm not going to lie, like probably until he hit that shot, against Miami, like I was probably still a Julius Randall skeptic at that point, but like a Jalen Brunson makes me feel good about this team. And so this is my long winded way of saying, I don't know who the Knicks are going to face in the first round. Um, but so long as it's not Milwaukee or Boston, like at this moment, even if it's a Philly, like there's a chance that I would pick them to win. And I feel like that's probably delusional a little bit. Like that's gotta be the little fandom creeping up me there, but it's also gotta be a harbinger of how far this team has come over the past couple of months.
1: I'm glad to hear someone else that you know, looks at all the other teams and sees what this is when I don't know if you listen to Doris Burke and Zach Lowe talk about the Knicks, but it finally clicked for me when Doris Burke pointed out like this reminds me of Memphis last year that the Knicks like kind of Ooh. The, well, it's like the, the Knicks have their offensive rating like they're fourth right now in offense in the NBA, which is kind of nuts. And like, we've been watching it grow as the season's gone along where it's like, all right, the Knicks are a top eight offense. The Knicks are a top seven, top six. And then you see like, Oh, because they're great at offensive rebounding. Oh, it's because they're great at taking free throws. And you wonder how sustainable it's going to be in the playoffs. And like Memphis was fine in the playoffs, you know, um, like they just like, John got hurt, you know, and that is the last comment I will make about John Morant, and the Memphis Grizzlies on this podcast. Um, do you see this as sustainable to the point where not even like an Eastern conference um run is in play, like with the Knicks sort of played against the Celtics, you would pick them. But like, like because the, the oldest player in this rotation is 28 years old. Like the RJ thing is obviously a question, but you have the quickly thing. That's been great. And you have like Julius is like Jalen Brunson's twenty twenty six, 26 and Julius is still pretty young. Do the Knicks finally have something that you could see like, oh, this is a, a team we're going to hear about for a while?
2: Yeah, I think there's a bedrock here upon which they could build where it's mm-hmm. it, it felt like, not that there was more of a haphazard search mm-hmm. for a star before, but now if you take what Julius Randle's doing this season, just as that is Julius Randle's normal, and you know what Jalen Brunson is, like those are your building blocks. And it's, you know, we look for stars, Who, yes, ideally would one of them would be you get a star who's better than both of them. But you also want that star to fit with them. It's not we want to trade Julius Randle to get that star. Uh, We don't want to trade Jalen Brunson to get that star. I would my one hesitance in saying could this be a team that we see for a while is that
1: windows in the NBA. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just see the breaking news (laughs) that we both just saw? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just acknowledge it. We just got the alert that John ja Morant has been suspended two games. That is the only thing we're going to say, at least two games by well, the Memphis Christmas. I mean, so we could, I mean, what do you I, want, I just don't know what, what the comment I, is. Like, I, I think what's going on is stuff I that think, is kind of nuts. And I hope. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. harrowing, and
2: uh, to realize how long it's been going on too, and if the Grizzlies knew about it, and like it doesn't seem like they were taking this like laissez-faire approach to it. I don't understand. And some of the people, like you know, doing the the mental and social media gymnastics to defend John Moran at this point, it's like why? Like, there's no, I, I don't understand what is going on with uh with him. And I think uh, people should just check out what Bomani Jones had a thread on it, where it's like, oh, John needs to surround himself with better people. And as Bomani pointed out, it's been Ja who's been mm-hmm. at the forefront of all these issues, not the people he's been with. So I also think, by the way, and I think it was because we don't know too much about the investigation. Not a big enough deal was made about John Moran or someone in his car, like pointing the laser at mm-hmm. the Pacers like that, would just seemed would like it kind of came and, and went. Uh, so yeah, John Moran spent two games. That's fine because the Grizzlies are uh, the biggest fraud in the NBA anyway, which is why Ooh. I don't think it's, I don't think that's why I don't love the comparison to like what the Knicks are doing because one, this team has at least two people who can create in the half court and the Grizzlies had one last year. They have Desmond Bain now who's been fantastic. Like he's leveled up a ton. Um, so I do get like sort of the impetus. I'm more interested when you look at how they go up against defenses, Boston's would be a good test or Milwaukee's or even, I mean like Cleveland's as well. And that might be the series. You might get the Donovan Mitchell bowl in the first round, which would mm-hmm. be uh, would be compelling to say the least having that, having two guys who can create something out of nothing, and also hit difficult shots. It makes this team to me materially more lethal than they were during that Hawks series two years ago, because like that was just Randall and it was just like, maybe you were hoping for something from RJ Barrett, but that was also too early on in his career. Now you kind of like know, or at least can't trust that he's ever going to be that player. And it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but you have like these two guys who create something out of nothing. And, going ISO or mismatch hunting is now a viable course of your offense. And I think not that I'd be more concerned, like I'm more interested to see like how they match up defensively with some of these teams who have a lot of these, you know, like bigger wings in Boston, even in, even in Milwaukee, um, having like the two big model in Cleveland, but then also like these two smaller guards who are so difficult to to chase around. And I I look at this team though, and there feels like there's a balance where, if they wanted to, if they're willing to pay people, because Emmanuel quickly is extension eligible, Josh Hart, uh, he's going to be a free agent this season. We're going to start talking about Julius Randle's next deal pretty soon, too. Uh, as if they're willing to pay, like there is something here to where, even if you don't make a bigger swing on the trade market, you can justify keeping it together and see room for growth from here. And the growth can come, but I, I don't know that they were at this point before it was independent of making that big trade because you mentioned like the ages of the guys on this team. And there's still, look, there's still these swing pieces where it's, well, what is Quentin Grimes going to be? Even if you're pretty low on RJ Barrett, there's like the Emmanuel quickly season. And I mentioned this, I haven't dug into my awards too deeply just yet. Uh, I don't know how he is not by the betting odds or even like, during the discussions and Nick's Twitter, yes. I'm pretty plugged into Nick's Twitter, so I know that there's a six men of the year case mounting for Manual Quickly, but just like in general, how he wasn't routinely mentioned among the top three candidates, let's even say, like, so much attention has been basically paid to Norman Powell and Malcolm Brogdon. And and Russell
1: Westbrook, just, by the way, who was the favorite that really was, got traded from the Lakers, you know. Which
2: may oh, that's just proof that like betting odds can be disconnected from reality. And mm-hmm. so uh but like to have someone like Emmanuel quickly is just perfect example, like just this swing piece, which yeah, his defense, which is wild that like his defense improvement has been great. but Like that was not the player he was billed as like being on the Knicks. And when you look at what he was as his rookie year to now, uh, but he's still someone who could like really be a microwave guy on offense as well. So to have that two way juice, it's, it's a roundabout way of saying like, it feels like there's something sustainable here and there's, they have the ability to augment it again, without, taking these massive swings where it's like, okay, you get a Josh Hart and look at how much better or more sensible it feels like they're playing. And that's like a pretty big win because there's still going to be people, fans, media, they're like, well, like, they need the guy who's better than Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall. I would tend to agree, but they're also just at a point where it's like, if you tread water and futz and fiddle on the margins, like you can also be a measurably better team. And I think that's what we're seeing now with the Josh Hart trade, which again, I was just completely wrong about like it was I didn't necessarily see his his value and I didn't necessarily understand the logic. I thought it was more innocuous
1: than hurtful, but I just wasn't a fan of it. And I mean, that's why, you know, it's a good thing I don't run the Knicks. Well, i got to be honest. Now we're at the point where I'm glad a lot of people don't run the Knicks. Leon Rose, the 180 that this season has done, the two moves that he made, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart have Really contributed to and honestly, the third move, not trading Julius Randle, like we all stupidly wanted them to do, is like those are the moves that have led to what this team is, you know, not trading Emmanuel quickly, even though it was very clear by the reporting they were looking at offers. Um real same quick. season
2: stuff too. This is even like Julius Randle Yeah, of this was like, Earlier this in is, the year, yeah. yes. Just so and like now we're here, it's like, well how much is Emmanuel quickly going to They have to pay Emmanuel quickly. Is he going to win six men? If he wins six men of the year.
1: Yeah. Like, that's just like. What's the number that you think he could get to? Someone asked me, we were doing a, the playback watch party last night. And our, one of our contributors, XJ was like, what if he were to get offered like 4 one ten? You know, like, would that be crazy? <laughs> Especially with so, like, remember the, the caps cap going, going up. up, like Duncan Robinson's making $90 million. So like, is it that crazy that Emmanuel quickly, who does more than just shoot, you know, and does like all the intangibles is an elite defender, might win six main of the year. Is that crazy? To say like no. four ones. I I've said four I've said four eighty for a while, then it was like okay, 485, <laughs> four eighty-five for as his like impact I, continues to go up, you know.
2: I think people are gonna have to get used to like four eighty, like something four ninety. Like that's what the fourth, fifth best player on a team is going to start making with the cap going up. I will, however, say if I'm the Knicks. And you're entering like four, one, ten, ten, or even four of a hundred. Like, all right, well, we'll just let this roll to restricted free agency. Then, like,
1: you go out and find the offer, and we'll just match it. Um, Fair. Well, that that's the hope. Then is that if you were to go out and get an offer, although you don't want an in situation, I guess it's, that really hasn't hurt them. The Eaton the
2: situation. I, you can you know? handle it differently. I mean, I guess the Knicks. I was about to say you could handle it differently by not dangling your premier restrictions for agent and all these trade talks, but like, I've already done that with the manual quickly. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that might not force them, but maybe they'd be more inclined to pay a premium because of how, like he was readily available and like all these different trade talks. But I haven't even thought about his number, but I would think at this point, especially if you win six man of the year, like you're not, there will be a team that I think looks at, look, I know, I think we devalue point of attack defense because we just assume that players who are operating from that position on offense are usually going to be so good. It doesn't matter. It's still really hard to find defenders who can hold up in those situations, who can navigate screens like Emmanuel quickly can. And to also have just at best, like, yeah, he can be a wild card on offense, but an ultra distant three point shooter and someone who can hit these like on a whim shots in the lane that if he hit the open market this summer, the retreatation market this summer, with, uh, given his age, too, where rebuilding teams can talk themselves into him as well, I would guess that he would get an offer sheet that's four of 110, if not more. Like, I would guess that that money would
3: be out there for him.
1: What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant quality meal right in your kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 15 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule Working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of presto pesto panko chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep times. to. Taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to hellofresh.com/slash/filmschool65 and use code filmschool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com/slash/filmschool65 and code filmschool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Hellofresh, America's number one meal kit. RJ Barrett got his extension this off season and we can get into like the complications of like, whether it was just like a, a, a chess piece being moved. Um, I defended during that. The don- but like during the Donovan Mitchell, yeah, no, Well, it's yeah. not even like defending the contract. It's like, that was a, a, a move made by Leon to be like, all right, I'm taking RJ off the table from Donovan Mitchell. Six. Now you have to, we still have the best offer. And that's when Danny Angel's was like, all right, screw this Cleveland. What do you want to do? You know, but like RJ has not been as valuable to this team as Emmanuel quickly. RJ stands do not. I'm not saying he sucks. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying Mayo quickly has been more important to the Knicks this season. And I look at the number he got now. He's coming from the third pick in the draft and quickly's coming from the 25th pick in the draft. So the number would be different. What his extension is. Um, I'm just. I'm wondering if we need to start really thinking differently about what it's going to take to keep him, and honestly, whether it even matters because it's worth it because he's that valuable to what they're doing. Um, speaking of RJ Barrett, um, I do want to give you the floor a little bit as someone who defended that contract, and I want to say he's the player you and I have talked about the most when we've talked about the Knicks over the years. Um, it hasn't been a leap up. It's it's either been. A, a side step or a step back this season. How are you feeling about this player? And do you think there is a step forward in his future?
2: I do not feel great about this player. And I think that there is with the way that the Knicks are built right now and the talent that has proved itself in front of him to this point, I don't know how he gets to that step forward unless he just like fundamentally changes his game. And I, I we've seen him defend better than this. So it's like, you know, you have that in him, but can he be, this feels someone where if you're going to have Jalen Brunson, if you're going to have Julius Randle, like it's pretty clear that RJ Barrett needs to be more like three and D than he's not going to get these on ball reps or we do. We like, can we prioritize RJ Barrett plus these bench units? If you want RJ Barrett to plumb the depths of his ball handling, his attack mode, like, is are we going to get to a point where we need to have a discussion about, well, maybe he's just your sixth man. Like he's the guy who's actually coming off the bench at that point. I, I honestly don't know what to feel about him. I vacillated between like, okay, you need to like hold your stock. And well, how many picks plus RJ Barrett get you Mikael Bridges over the summer? It's mm-hmm. like that, like, those are the wild swings that I'm on, which is just, I mean, typical for like this, this Knicks team has been such a trip, but I don't know how to feel about RJ Barrett anymore. I will say I think when we were speaking about the Donovan Mitchell trade, I was pretty bullish by saying, yeah, you don't want to trade him in the Donovan Mitchell trade because you want to acquire the start of play with R.J. Barrett. Um, that was a version of me that was much lower on Julius Randle, also being much higher on R.J. Barrett. And those two have sort of flip-flopped. Uh, I would be, if there was a concern level for this season, I think I'd be at like a, a hard 7.2 if we're going between 1 and 10. It's yeah. like we're talking about year four. And we're still talking about the the same issues. Uh, we are entering, though, like, aren't we getting to the point? Or we're actually, we're kind of past it, which is concerning. We're supposed to be at the point of the season where, like, oh, R.J. Barrett's really coming on. And, like, we just really haven't gotten there. And I'm very interested to see how we've already seen it impact his playing time. But, like, the Josh Hart trade and the rise of Emmanuel quickly, like, are we just going to see these, like, super high leverage moments in the playoffs where R.J. Barrett is not on the floor and that's going to prompt you just gave this guy an extension. That's going to prompt some, I would think, necessary, but also very awkward conversations.
1: It is. And while I agree that the concern in a vacuum about the player is like a seven out of 10, or just above a seven out of 10, right? As far as the team, and like that's, I think, what the Josh Hart trade meant that a lot of people, myself, honestly included didn't realize when it was made, you know, like I, I thought he would take Deuce McBride's minutes, which was like eight to nine minutes a game. And then he would bleed into, to some Quentin Grimes minutes. Cause like, secretly since the Josh Hart trade, Quentin Grimes has been shooting like over 45% from three. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's no longer asked to be like Bruce Bowen or Mikael Bridges, like be the defensive stopper of the other team's best player for 40 minutes. Oh, by the way, you also have to hit every three that you just get in spot up duty now, because the offense is flowing a little more, Um, and he's only playing like 22 to 25 minutes. He's not gassed for these big shots, and his his shooting has gone up, but like Hart would bleed into those minutes. And then like this is what the new version of the Knicks I think has kind of showed us, is like you said, against these wings like a Jason Tatum, like a a Jalen Brown. Honestly, last night like a Jimmy Butler, you have multiple looks to throw at them like quickly, like Hart, like RJ, like Grimes, and you have options. And that I think with RJ, like if he doesn't play in crunch time and he's cause he's not playing well, it's okay. Like you revisit the, we gave you an extension. Do we upgrade your spot on the roster in the off season? And as of right now, what's working is this, this Josh Hart thing. Um, And I look, I, I do think that you mentioned Gary Trent jr. That might've actually catered to a need, what they need, a need that they need to fill a shooting. Um I add. Josh Hart's shooting like 60% from three. Not sustainable. It's just been nuts to see it since he's got here. Um, Like what they did this summer with Jalen Brunson, it was very much like, oh, Leon's godson. Like the family nature of it. Oh, Josh Hart. Like you mentioned Mikael Bridges. Like, oh, we're getting the Villanova trio, trio back together. Like that seems to be the thing that they've built. And you can't quantify it. You can't really, like there's no stat on cleaning the glass for like, these people like each other, like the chemistry stat. But that just seems to be like what they've built here. And the hug that
2: Jalen Brunson gave Julius Randall yeah. against the heat is just like that. And it was so long and I'm just watching then Julius Randall's quote of, you know, we really love each other was, which was interesting. I think that brought up a, I, the fan base and myself, like kind of turned on Julius Randall last year. I do think he earned it. I want to make that yeah. clear. Like the team never seemed like they were out on Julius Randle.
1: Necessary correction. It's not so much that he earned it, his play earned criticism. And I like you didn't go as far as some people might have gone with Julius Randle. I'm just
2: assuming that uh, actual humans aren't like a like, oh, he's having he's not having a good year of basketball. This is the worst human being alive and like doesn't deserve to have you know an actual life. So when whenever a player is playing that poorly, it makes you wonder if something's happening off the court, and so like Hmm. that. That element is tough to criticize, but he earned the criticism. Like and he earned the fans becoming disenchanted with the way that he was playing. Uh, but yeah, the if you could quantify the vibes for this team or the crop camaraderie of this team, um, and look, maybe part of it is just like look at Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, everyone but Cam Reddish who was pulled from the rotation, even RJ right now, seeing his minutes get cut, like we're not hearing like rumblings of, and I get they're winning, so it's hard to hear them, but as soon as they made the swap, like even Derrick Derek Rose and Evan Fournier like, yeah, we want to play but like they're not malcontents either on the roster. Like, I do think that says something about the, the locker room. And so, but to see like the joy with which, and it, it, the factors just been up since Josh Hart came. Like, I don't know if it's just because like him and Jalen Brunson, like I'm, I'm feeling that, but it's, it, it's special. The, the connectivity of this team that's, that it seems like they have off the, the basketball floor sort of like what let's use blink 182 as an analogy anyone who knows me knows that i love blink 182 part of their appeal was always that it wasn't a band it was because they were best friends and Mm -hmm. that improved the experience i think for me a lot of the times when i was watching teams growing up you wanted to believe that these guys weren't just co-workers they like each other too and there's even now as a, a childish adult like watching, there's an element of me that still wants to believe that. And some of these teams that are like, that's why I do enjoy like the Warriors. Like there's more of like a familial touch there with that core. And also just how long that those three stars have been together is just unheard of at this point where it's more, let's look at the Clippers or even the, let's use the Nets as the one that just blew up. Everything felt so transactional and business-like there. This team doesn't feel like that. Even though I think that maybe even I made the argument that everything just felt so sort of incoherent for them leading into the season. And so to see this level of connectivity, it improves the experience tenfold. I think what also improves it for fans is look at what you just sat through last year. And to get to this point, like the fans deserve every bit of this, but to also sort of just see where this team is emotionally and like, yes, on the basketball court, but outside of basketball, I think that enhances the experience for sure. And maybe I'm the only one that looked at their favorite bands that way, but it was like, you wanted to believe that they were all friends. And so like the fact that part of the origin story for this Knicks team is they're doing things off the court or that Julius Randall's son is just like a staple on these videos and his reactions to feel that type of deep rooted connection that has, it has something to do with the game, but it, it, it has nothing to do with the game. It's super cool. And I think it one helps, but I also think it makes whether you're an impartial or an observer, or like a diehard fan, I think it makes the experience that much cooler.
1: It does. And like the two years ago team that like the we here season, that was also the big 15 season that like the, the Nets had their big three and then Julius Randle were like, we don't, we don't have a big, three, we have a big 15 and that's always gonna, gonna win that. I think it was actually Reggie Bullock who, who coined that, but, um, that there's it's easier to get buy-in from everybody and some sacrifices that need to be made when they're winning. And I think that's what's cured. Like, just break it down simply. Like, that's what's made this season. Like, all the things you mentioned, Derrick Rose leaving the rotation, potentially, like for, for good, like an NBA rotation for good. Um, Evan Fournier, who like has shown like in spurts, like the shooting's still there, but he's out of the rotation. Hasn't set a peep. Just been a a consummate professional, been a veteran for a lot of these younger guys. Um, Like Obi Toppin would probably like to be playing more minutes than he is as a backup. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, you know, like Emmanuel quickly should probably be a starting two or starting two or maybe in a one in the NBA. And he's been an elite sixth man. And because, like, and like to RJ's credit, his role has taken a step back. And I think this is the one thing that's been fascinating to watch is everybody's trying to pay attention to RJ as like he. Sits during crunch time a few times and sees his minutes go from like 38, 39 to like 27, 28 minutes. And he's been like, "We're winning. Like who wouldn't want this?" And that, I think, is what's been so cool is that all the sacrifices for the better of the the team and for the the better of the whole, like they're, they're being made with pleasure, and that's like we're all kind of buying into it as a result. Um, this has been great. Stanford Valley, and I had a Celtics question. I think I kind of asked it back in the, the the very beginning of the pod. Of like, as far as like, what do you think of the Celtics? I, as far as this matchup goes with the Knicks, I wanted to go outside of the the individual matchup bubble and get someone nationally to talk to, which is why obviously you're you're great and you came on. Um, who's your pick out of the East then? If it's if it's the Celtics, great. If it's not the Celtics, then who?
2: I am Milwaukee. So. Okay. Sorry, Milwaukee. Never were my preseason picks. And I would stick with... I was feeling a little rickety about Milwaukee for a while, but I'm feeling pretty good about them at the moment.
1: Okay. Where do you see... Do you see a a Celtics-Milwaukee conference final?
2: I feel like it should play out that way, but the Celtics they just made the finals and they're so deep and they're so good, but like there's a variability to how they play on offense where they go through like these turnover spurts or because you can be so reliant on jump shooting. There's that inherent variability there. And I'll, I'll look at like Derek white, like flame throwing from the perimeter. I'm like, is this really going to continue to happen? Uh, so, and like the offense has been like iffy for them over the past month or so too. Uh I don't want to say I don't trust them. It should shake out that way, but they feel they kind of feel beatable, which just doesn't make sense. And I think like they're the only team that ranks in the top five of offense and defense. So if I had to pick, yeah, I'd say bucks and Celtics. I do feel more at this point though, better about the bucks going chalk than I do about the Celtics. Like they just feel, even if their depth is better and it is better. They just, for some reason they feel more vulnerable or maybe it's again, just the variance and where people talk about the bucks offense and all the flaws about it. Like they're consistent with their flaws. Mm -hmm. And they've proven that it doesn't matter in the past. We've seen the Celtics kind of get in their own way with turnovers last year in the finals for sure. But even just we've seen it now, like Jason Tatum will go through these outside shooting slumps. And I think he's a much better player. He's diversified his portfolio to the point where he doesn't have to be as reliant on those looks. Uh, but this is a team that has a, a higher variability in their performance, I think, than a team like the Bucs does.
1: I I will let you have one more chance to clarify and, and correct yourself. You really meant that the Knicks are going to be the team that represents.
2: I was just like, I didn't that. want to say, who do I have coming out? The Knicks are going to come out of the East. That's who there I'll be go. rooting for to come out of the East. Yes.
1: And I got to be honest, like the Bucs are the one team because I just I haven't seen them lose a game since June. Like the Jets were playing the last time the, the Bucks <laughs> were had lost the game. Um, but man, there's like nobody that scares me. And maybe after this Celtics game, that'll change and I'll recontextualize. Like it's funny two years ago when they had a nine game winning streak and they played the Suns, and they finally lost. It was like, okay, this is what it looks like when they lose. I can now get used to like, Josh, they're not going to have an 82 win pace with Josh Hart anymore. Maybe, maybe that will be like the breath of fresh air we need before this approaches. Cause after that, they play Charlotte. If they beat the Celtics, that means nine straight. Then they play Charlotte, that's ten straight, and then I, I will become as Mensa puts it, a parody account of what the Knicks are. You know, and just like they're they're not just going to win the title in the NBA. They're probably going to go play baseball this summer and win that. They're probably going to go play. They're probably going to help the Rangers inadvertently win a title this year. They're going to win the cup, the the Larry O'Brien and the World Series trophy this year, and then <laughs> as a result, Aaron Rodgers is going to force his way to New York and the Jets win oh, the title too, you know. Please, all God, of the no. all of the ducks will <laughs> align. Do you way.
2: have the Knicks? Do you have uh, do you have the Knicks winning? If the matchup right now was Cleveland New York,
1: are you picking New York to be Cleveland? Knicks 6. Give me that. Come on. Okay. Just care. Yes. Just I will say I'm le- I'm more afraid of the the Cavs and Sixers like in all seriousness than some Knicks fans are. Um they've just Every time they've played a healthy Cleveland team this year, they have matched up perfectly. They're two and one against the Cavs this year. The game that they played in Cleveland and lost, they were up going into that fourth quarter by like double figures. And then like the old rotation lost. So I, I like the next chances with, with the, 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 matchup there. Also, we are a year removed from Jalen Brunson and a luka Mavericks. Ending the Donovan Mitchell jazz run. And like, it I know a, a
2: little of, bit different than that jazz team.
1: <laughs> it is. I will. You're right. But like someone who I, as far as like, am I afraid of Donovan Mitchell? If I were Donovan Mitchell, I'd be afraid of Jalen Brunson. You know, like that's a he matchup.
2: Might, I kind like... might've scared Donovan Mitchell into trying on defense again, because Not that's really. what's happened <laughs> this season. So yeah. Jalen Brunson might've single-handedly salvaged Donovan Mitchell's defensive motor.
1: Well, I, I, I like the Knicks in that series, at least to, again, maybe not as arrogantly to pick the Knicks in that series. Um, I I don't think that'd be arrogant. I, just, I think it's like, it's honestly closer to 50-50 than, than people realize. And maybe actually I would, if the Knicks end up with a four seed specifically, then I'd absolutely pick them to win that series. You know,
2: this is probably just anti James Harden propaganda. I feel I probably feel more confident Knicks beating Philly than Cleveland for some reason. And that just goes against like all the vitals that Philly has shown. But, uh, and maybe I've watched too much Philly lately because like Mm -hmm. they've seen their, their past few losses. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the the East playoffs at the top are such a gauntlet like uh, being the four of the five seed to where, okay, you have to, if you're the Knicks, you have to play Cleveland and then you're probably going to have to play both Boston or Philly and then probably mm-hmm. just have to play Milwaukee if you somehow won. That would just be an absolutely brutal one. But I'm I'm happy we're at a point where we're talking about can the Knicks win a playoff series because I don't even know. Like that was not the discussion we were having coming into
1: the regular season. I uh, look, I wondered who was still going to be here at the deadline. And the only one that wasn't here at the, at the after the deadline was Cam Reddish. And it uh, ended up this being is
2: Ryan one. Archie Diakono. Oh, I apologize. Right Sorry,
1: Safi, Mahi, Um, that I didn't and recognize why you're not here anymore. Um, the only um non-rotation. Oh, neither of them. None of them were in the rotation. Uh, the fact that this team was able to turn non-rotation pieces into an important rotation piece to upgrade and help them for a playoff run is the best possible scenario that the season could have played out and. Look, Josh Hart is 27 years old. Um, I think Monday when tomorrow, when people are hearing this, uh, he will be 28. His birthday is on Monday. So um, that's the oldest person in rotation, him and Julius Randle. This is this is something that is just the beginning, it feels like. And
2: Julius Randle being under the age of 34 is absolutely wild. It feels like yep. he's had eight different careers and he's yep. only 28.
1: You want to know why that is? It's because he's had eight different careers. He's, <laughs> he's, he's the last guy on the Kobe teams and then those weird Luke Walton Lakers and then that last year, the gap
2: year in the Pelicans,
1: right? The <laughs> gap year with the Pelicans, then the, the consolation prize when Katie and Kyrie went to Brooklyn, and then the we here, then the last year, and then the we back seasons. Yeah, he's the, he's very much has, he could write eight different books on like my year in the NBA. <laughs> you know, it's very much a, a yearbook thing with Julius Randle. David Valley, you've been outstanding with your time. Please tell everybody where they can find you, Hardboard Knox, and all of the work that you do covering the NBA
2: yeah uh check out hardwood knox which covers the league at large it's spelled exactly as it sounds at hardwood knox on twitter you can find all our stuff there and you can find me on twitter just my name which is on the screen if you're watching but it's at dan faveli f-a-v-a-l-e always tweeting
1: nonsense yes uh dan always good to see you my man you too claudio take care one more time a big thank you to my good buddy dan faveli of bleacher report and the podcast and youtube channel Hardwood Knox for coming on today's show to talk about this basketball team that we love and think the world of. And it was good to hear that it's not just a local thing, that the Knicks are really good and successful. And uh, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Uh, Please, the KFS bump is not just something we like to do around here. Head on over to his podcast. Uh, It's linked in the description. Give him a five-star rating and a review. But I also think as we get later into the season and with the playoffs and with the awards races, you will like his perspective. You will enjoy hearing what he has to say about the league. Um, Again, it's Hardwood Knox, and he does it with Grant Hughes, another NBA writer. Um, I really think you'll you'll like this podcast. So check it out. Thank you to Dan again for making time on a Saturday to talk about this team. And look, we're gonna talk about house money. The Knicks lose this game, it'll be annoying and it'll it'll suck. The wing streak finally ended. It will be nice to recontextualize and reassess in the land of Josh Hart can lose a game. Um, at least the Josh Hart Knicks can lose a game. What I will say. For me personally, if the Knicks win in Boston and are, have, have, are undefeated in Boston this year, have two wins against the Celtics on the road, three wins against the Celtics for the season, win the season series against the Celtics, um, it's going to be hard to talk about this team rationally because that'll be nine straight going into Charlotte and then you have this West Coast trip Like, look, then Robert Cross, maybe 53 wins is in play. Regardless. After the game, John will be there to break it all down. Um, And then John and Jeremy will be back on Monday night. Uh, That'll do it for me. And if you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. I will be back with a pregame pod on Tuesday morning to preview that game against the Hornets. Hopefully, it is to talk about a chance to win 10 straight. But regardless, I'll be here. And I I hope you guys keep enjoying these pregame pods. It's been really cool to hear some of the feedback that, that I've been getting and uh, means a lot that this, uh, this formula is working and uh, hopefully it's more pre-games but on, on the verge of winning streaks but until next time thank you for listening enjoy the game tonight and I will speak with you soon peace